Crane. How's it going? I am fantastic, Ed. How are you? Yeah, good. Good. First, first, I should say congratulations on the launch of your new book, Teenage Kicks, uh, biography of Wayne Rooney. Tell us about it. Yeah, well, as you quite rightly say, it's a biography of Wayne Rooney, so it does what it says on the tin. Yeah, when he retired a year ago, basically, the decision my agent told me about what... I, we were talking about the... I, I've been writing a Duncan Edwards book for some time. And right. Obviously, the, the Wayne Rooney... We were having lots of conversations about that, but then Rooney went and retired, and he said, is there any chance that he could do something on Rooney? Now, for as long as we've known each other, we basically been having conversations about Wayne Rooney and but I think we yeah. probably the the we might have even started our conversations knowing each other um talking about Wayne Rooney's transfer request in October twenty ten. So that's how far that back that goes. And really I going way back to October twenty ten is I was writing on a blog at the time. We talked about that blog before yeah. and I wrote an, an open letter and I'm doing air quotes, by the way, because I'd never wanted him to read a response to Rooney's transfer request. And he was basically saying, it wasn't please stay or anything. It was basically, if you leave, you're going to be making the bad decision because you've got history in yeah. front of you and you don't always get that opportunity. And he stayed, you know, and everything. And then I started writing books and it was inevitable one day I was going to write something on Rooney. It just depended on when that time was going to come and the retirement right. obviously made that very coincidental. So I, I've been preparing for a long time, uh, for as long as I've been writing, basically I've got lots of scrapbooks, uh, lots of newspaper cuttings, folders on my desktop, lots of interviews that I've done. And they were already all, all there to do. So I just uh, started writing it like almost immediately as soon as he, he retired, did a few more interviews as well. And yeah, I wanted to do, uh, obviously my style of writing books is uh, very different to the sort of salacious stuff. I'm very heavily on, focused on my football. And like anyone who's read my Beckham biography would know that, um, th you know, that I'm not talking about all the extra stuff that goes along with Dave, well, Brand Beckham. And it was a similar story to, to Rooney really. What really compelled me about writing a book on Rooney was the fact that there's that there's a double-edged sword about him. First of all, that he's not really, well, not really appreciated, I was going to say. Yeah. There's a division with England fans and United fans and Everton fans. So basically all the big places he's been, there's a division in the support, whether or oh, they love him or hate him, really. And then there's also that other question, did he fulfil his potential? Did he reach it? Did he surpass it? All those kind of questions. And it's such a compelling character study to, to go down that route, really. Yeah. Is it published here in the US? Uh, if not, I'll get it on the Kindle and uh, have a read. So, well, best of luck with that one. I'm sure it'll do well. Mm -hmm. And you're right. He's such a fascinating character. And I I really enjoyed some of his press interviews recently. You know, so it's, you know a lot of uh, candor in there. It's hard to tell how good a coach he is, but Derby are performing mm. some miracles. They may even escape relegation and then the uh, Football League will almost certainly dock them more points because they won't be able to pay off all the creditors in time. But <laughs> he, he looks like he's on the right path to being a great coach as well as a great footballer. Anyway, talked about him so much down the years. There was, there was some interesting football at Old Trafford, wasn't there? You were there, uh, so you can give us the down low on the atmosphere at Old Trafford, which seemed tense. Uh, and it was a pretty tense game. United came out comfortable winners in the end but really wasn't comfortable until the red card i thought what were your impressions of the match yeah it's funny you say that in recent weeks everyone's been talking about the improvement in and then there are improvements in certain aspects but i've been so 
not pessimistic, but hesitant, basically, to, to look at it. Because you look at the, right. the quality of opponents, and the quality of opponents have been respectively poor. Middlesbrough, Burnley, Southampton, Brighton, and you look at that list, and respectively poor, but increasing in quality. Yeah. And every time we've, we've stepped up a gear against the opponent, in, well, in terms of the... We've stepped up a gear in, in, in the quality of opponent that we've faced. The, the quality of performance has dropped a little bit. And even against Southampton, there was... Um, they had more shots than us, I think, at the weekend, and and you know they looked like they could have won it late on. So yeah, against Brighton, yeah. there was I I was very much hesitant. I was thinking that they're, they're a footballing team. They're very good on the ball. They they'll come and probably dominate possession, and they did. The first half was difficult. Sancho yeah. possibly looks the brightest spot from the left. De- definitely on Saturday, there was a very much uh, there was very much feeling that whenever Sancho got the ball, United were making things happen. And obviously they took the lead to yes. Sancho. We're getting more of the Sancho we've seen in the Bundesliga and just, just a bit more confidence and involvement. I, I was just looking at the stats, actually. He is second to Bruno, played the most progressive passes of any United player, which, which shows you, and he hasn't played all the games, which shows you what kind of player he is. He's not just a wide player that will take on players, although obviously he's been doing that. He's a player that is a creator as well and i think we're beginning to see the best of what he can offer but, which is nice yeah. well and definitely from the left hand side but every time we move him to the right the game bombs yeah, the, everything about the game plan seems to bomb no matter who we're putting on the left hand side once once sancho moves and sancho's not as effectual on the other side yeah I, it's the irony isn't it I, I think a lot of people said this if you watch a lot of bundesliga he's just better on the left he's more of a threat there and if if United thought they were buying a right winger, then I don't know where the scouting was going. But anyway, yeah. th- there's, it's going to be a challenge because United could probably do with the right winger again, which is something of an irony. Yeah, and they were stacked on the left, weren't they? Which is funny about that. They're stacked and, and they he shouldn't have really had a place. Yeah, he shouldn't have had a place to come in on the left, but he has done. Yeah, so he started quite brightly again. And then the sort of game wore on Brighton, they settled very quickly quicker than the other sides have done they weren't afraid of United they didn't let them have any of the ball and anything like that so and obviously I think Pogba's omission helped them settle as well because McTominay and Fred aren't going to be very progressive going forward so it was all left on Bruno to take the gambles and then Brighton settled and they started having chances and then they had the big chance just before half time which uh, De Gea with a marvellous save and I think it was probably when they must have had a corner from well they did have a corner from that and I think but came back to United, they had a goal kick. And from the goal kick, so it was still six minutes before half-time, loads of boos around the ground. And I've never heard that. I was there for Liverpool. I've been, you know, for plenty of times when there's been a few boos around. But Liverpool, obviously, very early because it came at half-time, but this was the first time that I've ever heard it actually in the middle of play. And they were even doing the, the attack, attack, attack six minutes into, with six minutes yeah. after the first half because they were getting, everyone was getting frustrated. Well, the, the football is a bit, I mean, it's a bit, prosaic isn't it it's not exactly van harlesque but you know it's not it's not super exciting football no it's not but i think what's happened is um he's changed the shape it's 4-3-3 so you know that pogba or pogba or fred yeah. on the other side of mctominay with fernandez on the other side so it's a three in midfield yeah. it's a definite three you know that and what's happened is and i'll, I'll be yes, yes i'm going to be positive sure. yeah. about this now because i'm, I'm going to be negative for the rest of it but positive the positive things <laughs> i can take from it United have looked like more of a team. You know, before before they changed the yeah, shape. Yeah, oh, for sure, yeah. 
there was there was an abyss in the middle of the park and I, the thing that I've been saying all season is that defence, the midfield and attack, they looks like three separate entities that were marooned from each other yes, and every yeah. now and again Fernandez would drop back and he'd attach it all like he was tethering it with a rope. Now, it looks like a team now. And, and yes, the sacrifice... It, it does. It looks you know. like a team that's not awesome. It's not an awesome oh, yeah, yeah, team, yeah. but they look like a team. You know? yeah, that's I a, th- you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And the thing we're saying there, like, yeah, they look like a team, but it's, it's not an awesome team. And the other thing you can't say is that they're not working because clearly that's what Ragnick wants them to do. The, the work rate is up. So what this tells us is they look like more of a team. They're working harder than they were doing, but they're still not very good. So maybe... Maybe the players need yeah, to start yeah. um, taking responsibility. I, I did a thing. I, I write up the match reviews for the website that I write for. And the the thing what I, I said, it was so partway through the first half and I, I was just remarked to my wife who was sat, stood next to me. I basically said, you can, I can imagine that someone would probably ask me to write a book on this season. I'm, I'm not going to do it, but I can imagine that if I did, I'd give it the title. I'm here because I have to be here <laughs> after Harry Maguire's yeah. comment from the Liverpool game. Cause that's what he felt like. He felt like at one point Maguire had the yeah, ball in yeah. the first half and he didn't know what to do with it. And I think he was one of those where he went back to the hair and he felt like he wanted, oh, he felt like if someone, you know, like from the stands, like you wanted to go down onto the pitch and apologize to them. Like, we're so sorry that we've made you turn up and play a game of football. I'm so sorry that we're putting you through yeah. this and hopefully get a response back from them as well but then obviously the second half kicks off and, and we we score early on a, a moment of brilliance from ronaldo yeah. that you changed know, everything yeah yeah and then and then the, the red card again changed everything because you in, in a funny way you, i'd almost wanted them to stay with the 11 to know what this goal would have done for united would we have learned a lesson and we don't know yeah. now we don't know because all i do know is that brighton for the last five or six minutes looked like they were going to score an equaliser. They looked very threatening. They were they were really pushing United back, and United were rattling a little bit. So they were lucky, and the second goal came basically because they were outnumbered. And so I come away from that yep. game not really thinking that I've learned a lot about United, certainly not thinking that they've learned the lesson, and still thinking I looked at the possession stats, Ed, after in the 50-50. That's after four minutes against 10 yep. men. yeah. Brian always do this anyway. Graham Potter's English, but they play nothing like you'd imagine an yeah. English manager would get their team to play. They're very continental in their style. They're heavy on possession. They dominate area, all areas of the pitch except the opposition goal. If they had a £30 million striker, oh, yeah. they might be able to push for a European place. They'll finish in the top half, I think. They're, they're, a, good, they're a good side, coached by a good manager who are outperforming their their budget and they had 59 percent possession you're talking about possession 59 percent in that first half they well, dominated yeah, united yeah. dominated yeah. the chances had a couple of big chances i mean a brilliant save by dave who looks like he's something back to his best mm. now and i could kind of understand the the sense of unease in the stands because it was dull football united were being dominated and you know although i completely agree with your assessment that united are much more of a team and ragnick is it, take, it took a few iterations, but he's found a method of getting some control in the middle of the pitch, which is basically to play three in the middle there. Mm. It, it just wasn't showing in that first half. So there were very distinct audible boos at half time, which was a thing that never used to happen 20 years ago. Old Trafford, the world has changed and Old Trafford has changed for sure. And you can kind of get a sense from that of how supporters feel. Not that 
they want Rangnick out. They just want exciting football and good football. And we didn't get that in the first half. We were fortunate that United came out in that second half a bit brighter, got the one half chance, which Ronaldo finished absolutely brilliantly because honestly, in the last three or four games, he's been really bad yeah. <laughs> to the point where you're thinking like the Burnley game when Cavani's in there and it's just so much more movement and it just feels so much more dynamic with him there. You're like, what's Ronaldo doing in the team again? Mm. And now he had to be because Cavani did the Cavani thing, which is to tell the manager that he didn't feel fit enough. And he does that often, doesn't he, mm. Cavani? Which is, a, which is a real shame. But this was a different Ronaldo and I don't know whether he's been stung by the criticism or Ragnick said something to him or he just, for some reason felt a bit more on it, but he, he, he was, he better, was leading yeah. the press sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. He looked a lot better. He looks more dynamic and he should never have played that 120 minutes against Borough. That he's 37 years old. I don't care how many, how many abs he's got there, which is a lot, by the way, <laughs> and yeah, he's, you know, 120 abs as well. Yeah, I know. That's right. That's obviously going to affect him yeah. at his age. And he may be unusually fit for his age, but he's not superhuman. Anyway, so he was better last night and scored a brilliant goal. And it just changed everything. You know, it's two minutes, basically. Get a goal. We get the mistake from Brighton. Alango is bright to pounce on it. And Lewis Dunk was clumsy. And Alango probably wouldn't have scored from there. But he definitely got a shot away. So it's denial of a goal-scoring opportunity. So the referee was right to consult VAR and right to change it. And that just changed everything because then United were actually able to get some kind of control over the game, which they probably wouldn't have had well, if it weren't for Brighton going down to 10. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean about the, about we don't know about United now because you've seen that 40 yeah, yeah. minutes. You're really you're yeah. left with no answers about them. They're thinking, oh, well, we've moved a step forward. All I'm left thinking is, well, Brighton would have probably got a point if they did add the extra man because they were controlling the game, they were creating chances. Potter's, Potter's actual exchanges. I mean, somebody went down at one point, it was 50-50 straight after the red card and United looked like they were in the ascendant. Say Brighton, but rarely for Potter because I would have thought he'd have made an emergency switch, but they were playing with a three-man defence, so United could have really lacerated them and got a second goal very quickly. But McTominay went down and they brought on two men, so they changed the actual shape of their team and obviously compacted the defence again. But they put on Lamptey, who's obviously normally right back, but they put him on the right wing. Yep. And yep. he was causing a lot of problems. So even with the 10 men, once they were settled, they knew what they were doing. They, they had an objective about them and they still looked slick in the way that they moved the ball. Yeah. And yeah, like I said, it only really, they only matched what Brian did in the first half with 11 against 10. And yeah, that, that was a concern for me. I, I look at them and I just think even even at their best, and even when we know that they're trying, I, I just can't get my head around it because they finished second last season. I know that there were the mitigating circumstances with Liverpool and Chelsea, but what we're saying is they're better than what they're showing. And if you look at the performances in the last few weeks, people say, oh, they had 30 shots against Middlesbrough. I'm not buying that. I look at no, like, a lot of them are low quality shots. Yeah, for yeah, sure. exactly. Yeah. It'd be, even if they weren't, even if they're high quality shots, it's Middlesbrough. There should be thirty shots yeah. against Middlesbrough. Don't, that's not improvement. That's the standard. What you should be setting. Don't talk to me about this being a great United side. And then, then they put in a. Well, I don't think anyone's no, saying no, that. No, but, no, but, yes. but sorry, but I think it's the people when they're being really optimistic and they want to take it away yes, from the players yeah. and everything like that. That what I'm seeing from this team at the moment 
is an argument that Solskjaer did a better job than what he did. And I know that he didn't. Yeah. And I'm Solskjaer's biggest fan. So you can't... These players have got to have their own standards at this point because it's going to look like Ragnik out of self-respect for wanting to prove that he's a good manager and Ronaldo and possibly De Gea are going to be the people who drag us to get in a Champions League place that nobody else wants us to have. It's, it's ridiculous, honestly. Yeah. I don't know where the player's pride comes into it because that's where... We've seen Liverpool, Liverpool humiliators, City humiliators, just as badly in a yep. different way. Wolves came and and got a result. Out thought and out tactic does. Yeah. Where, yeah. Where's the pride? At some point, they've got to think we're playing for Manchester United, and I, I know we we won, we won, and I'm just looking at the the booze before off time and things like that, where the supporters yeah. are like, "Come on, we, it's not like we're not going to, you know, we." This is a one. This is a one season, by the way. This is the culmination of three or four seasons of seeing stuff like this. So that's why the supporters are getting on the back. Or there's that story that Ferguson like, knew where the club was going. Wayne really yeah, said yeah. it uh, in one of his interviews that Ferguson knew where the club was headed and got out at the right time. Basically, I'm sure there's a lot of truth in that. But it's been eight years after he, him and David Gill mm-hmm. left, and Ferguson was able to take what the Glazers would give him, which wasn't a lot of money before he left, and perform miracles with it. Perform that last final miracle of winning that title with a side that wasn't that good, 2013 side. And after that, United have put people in positions where they've never had experience of doing it. David Moyes, like fish Mm. out of water. Ed Woodward in charge, had never been in charge of a, a football club before. And it's the culmination of all these things shows on the pitch and it has done for years and and i think regnick's a smart guy and i know he's not done a lot of coaching recently he's never coached um an elite european team before but i think he knows what he's trying to do here and he's tinkered a bit to try and get the best out of these players and get something that functions as a team and i completely agree that united are looking like a team now and the level should be when you look at the players with a coach who knows what he's doing the level should be better than all the other challenges mm. for that fourth spot. And it should be much closer to Chelsea's level, much closer. I don't think with these players that they are at the level that Liverpool and City can perform. I, I do think they're some way off that and some way off the best European sides. But this Chelsea side is nothing special. Tuchel is a smart manager and he knows how to win mm. games. But there's a lot of flaky performers in there. United mm. have got a lot of flaky performers as well. I, I hate to be reductive and and start talking about kind of passion and pride and stuff, but there is an element of that because they've got someone who's got a game plan now and it's a game plan that should give United more control and there's plenty of good players in there, lots with limitations, but plenty of good players in there and this fourth spot should be United's, really. Yeah, let me, can I just qualify that, Ed? Let me just go, you know, the, the pride thing when I'm saying that, what I mean is like, I'm trying to be generous when I'm saying that, but what I mean by this is we saw that they finished second last season. So I don't want to come straight out and say that these players aren't good enough, but I think obviously there's a difference in there. There's a level of this intangible thing that we don't see. And it comes down to that personal drive and it's either personal drive and quality. What's the balancing act in that? And I, I want to say that they've got the quality, but then. We haven't won a title for seven years, eight years. We haven't looked like winning a title for seven or eight years. So the proof is in the pudding in terms of the quality. Now, 
then this is what I've said to you earlier about the when I looked at the last couple of games, I think that they are trying. I think it's fair to say that they are, and the managers like his, his basic requirement is for them to try. So we're seeing that they're just not very good, and I just it's like. I said very good. They're not very good in terms of a really good Manchester United side. We're looking at a team that is worse than a Ron Atkinson side because they don't entertain as good as a Ron Atkinson sure. side. Yeah, yeah. And, and and then, yeah, it's the pride and the passion and Remy Moses and Brian Robson and stuff like that. And football's a different game. It's much more sterile. So a player like that wouldn't necessarily work in this. Oh, I think Brian Robson would work in any era. Brian Robson. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Yeah, I, he would, he would, but you know what the point I'm trying to make with I this? Do, so I let do, me, yeah. Let me make another point with two players that we have got, and this will illustrate kind of what I'm trying to say a little bit better. Now, Aaron Maguire is coming for a lot of criticism, rightly so, because his perform performances haven't been very good. That's generous. Yeah, okay, well, I'm trying to be generous with this. Victor Lindelof is the man who would step yeah. in to replace him, and his performances generally since he's joined us haven't been very good. So you're looking for a replacement yep. for a replacement. Neither of them, you're looking saying they're going to be in a team that's going to win the league. But you know, at the moment, Lindelof, you would pick on form yep. in front of Maguire. Lindelof never convinces me as a defender, but he's progressive with the ball. He moves forward and he, he's not afraid to sort of move the ball. Maguire looks afraid to move the ball. And that's that's what I'm talking about. Like be, and Maybe it's bravery, maybe bravery rather than pride. Well, Maguire's uh, confidence is so destroyed now. That's why he plays the kind of cowardly ball yeah. back to, to De Gea rather than trying to progress it. I mean, because the one thing you'd say about Maguire is he does try to progress the ball into midfield and he does that from a fairly high starting position. That's actually pretty useful for United in terms of constructing... Usually, yeah. Attacking Usually, yeah, yeah, yeah. At his best. And last season wasn't bad, right, from him. He had a dodgy first season. Yeah. His second season in United wasn't bad at all, and we saw some of the best of Harry Maguire. It's not his fault that Leicester negotiated really well and United paid double his real value. His limitations yeah, yeah. are always going to be, as, as Ralph hasn't, who's all completely deconstructed him, not very good in reverse gear. He's just never going mm. to be that, which means that he is much better suited to a team that plays a deep line. Now, United cannot play. You know, yeah. United can't play a progressive style of football if they play a deep line. So you have one or t'other, basically. If you want to control yeah. games and Redknick wants a team that controls games, it's very hard to have Harry Maguire in there or you're going to give away chances. It's, yeah, he must know this as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned the Arsenal thing because cause he did, he was referring to Maguire. And I, I made a point of that on social media and everyone's saying, oh, he didn't mention him specifically. I'm like, who else do you think he's talking about? And who else, by the way, when you watch the 90 minutes, was getting dragged around purposefully for that. It was obviously Maguire. And like you said, it's not his fault. I've taken um, a sort of back seat with this with these players because sometimes when it becomes obvious that they're not good enough, then I stop blaming, I stop having a pop because I'm like, well, it's not their fault. And I know it's not the fault of anyone's really, yeah, but it's yeah. when you expect a little bit more and, and you're not sure if you're going to get it. And so now, if they play, well, I have stopped criticising Maguire really because if you play him, you expect him to do the things that Aaron Maguire does. So that's really on the manager. And it's the same for a lot of these players. You can't play Paul Pogba in games and not expect him to play like Paul Pogba does. You're going to get 90%, well, let's say 70% brilliance, and then you might get 30%. He'll get caught yeah. in possession by any midfielder in the league. 
but you put up with yeah. that because you, you think the 70% brilliance will, will carry you through. And it's the same for many of these players. Ronaldo, you put up with that 90% of standing in an offside position because the 10% chance he's now yep, going to yep. del- deliver a goal like he did last night. And I think a lot of too many players that we've got the other side of that are they're 50, 60% yes. bad and 40% good. And that's why United will finish fourth, fifth or sixth or something like that, mainly. Uh, apart from they obviously lost confidence in Solskjaer and, and uh, he, he, had, he had to go as a result. But there, there's mm. too much inconsistency and too many limitations amongst most of the players. Last night, we got a mix of performances as a result. We got Bruno doing Bruno things all the time, trying, scored the goal, obviously. Brilliant finish, sat the keeper down right at the end. Brilliant mm. finish from Ronaldo. Even though, and and more of a performance from him, and I thought McTominay in the back four weren't terrible. You know, McTominay was okay mm. in midfield. I thought he's got limitations himself, and he's neither an eight or a six, and and that causes him problems. And Fred was probably pretty poor of of those. And there's just always a mix of some performances and some not, because most of them wouldn't be in a title winning side, would they? United do need to finish fourth. It's very important for the club as a whole. And it's important because, I don't know, maybe we'll get some interesting away ties if we're in the Europa League or the conference, but it's dreadful from a financial point of view. It's yeah, devastating, yeah. honestly. It's the difference between a world-class midfielder or not. And assuming that the Glazers don't do something wild and release a bunch of equity and stick it into the transfer coffers, which I'm assuming they're not going to do. Uh, so <laughs> so it's really important. It's important for the club status and hiring the best next manager and getting their best next players. And the trouble, of course, with all this inconsistency is there's just a just an insane amount to do for Richard Arnold and John Murta and John Murta's deputy, which we're apparently going to get in the summer. Pogba is going to leave. Unless, unless they come up with Ronaldo-level wages and a five-year contract, which would probably be insane. It sounds very much like Manchester United under Ed Woodward. So yeah, I mean, um, yeah. So like, let's just assume he goes. And Lingard's going. He's not playing any part. Matter will go. Lee Grant out of contract. He's a mascot anyway. I think they're they're four out of contract this summer. And then that's not and uh, Cavani obviously. Maybe that's five. And then there's a bunch of others who just don't need to be there. Phil Jones, Nemanja Matic, Eric Bailly are all definitely available for sale. If Ragnick's there. Probably Aaron Wan-Bazaka, but they won't get any kind of return on the, the 50 million that they paid for him. Uh, Dean Henderson will have mm. to, for his own professional development, needs to leave. United will have to bring in the keeper because we know that De Gea lost focus without real competition. Yeah. And he knows now he's got real competition, even if Henderson's you know not in possession. United post Ferguson and Gill have never done this kind of squad change. And it just looks like there's so much to do that it would be almost impossible for United to do that. I look at this and for some kind of progression, they need to finish fourth. It's desperately needed. That's why we need the performances right now. But, you know, Ragnick is going to be there for another two years afterwards as a consultant. He's not going to get this job. Let's assume it's probably Pochettino who's coming in to get the job because he's available and he wants it. And he can leave mm. in the summer and maybe they'll finally sign him at the third time of asking. Uh, and he's not going to perform miracles. He's just not. He's not going to get this group of players. He's going to get them. I'm sure he, he's going to have a game plan. He'll have a style. He'll want them to work hard because he's in that mould as well. And But he's not going to get them all to overperform when they haven't done that for you know the last five years. And many of these players have been here for that long. So... I see some stormy waters ahead for United. But right now, 
Really important that United got this victory. Really important coming into a difficult run of games. It's still, it, oh, yeah. Next few weeks uh, yeah. and March, next couple of weeks and March are challenging. And some kind of confidence has to come out of these games right now. Otherwise, it's going to, the season's going to come off the rails. Yeah, it's, it's funny is that Regnick came out and actually said the objective, the only objective is Champions League qualification. For, he actually said fourth place. He said that's that's the best that we can hope for. And I'm like, well, there's 13 games left. And, you know, even Oli in his deluded optimism sometimes would say, oh, well, he took the Fergie line, you know, there's games left, we'll not put an objective on it kind of thing. Where he's just come out and said that. And I just think that's so modern Manchester United. And I, I admire Ragnick's honesty, and I think he's probably right. But it's just so modern United. And I, there's something about me that thinks, well, he's given them an objective. Isn't it just like this squad of players that they'll now they've got a, a real weak objective? Because the, the, it's now in their possession. They own that full spot. And I know Arsenal have got games in hand. Well, and Wolves possession. and Tottenham and West Ham. Yeah, if they are oh no, what no West yeah. Ham. So you know we'd be ahead of West Ham. So if you assumed that Arsenal, Spurs, and Wolves won their games in hand, they'd be ahead of us. So they probably own. They probably won't do that. But you know, because they've all got faults as well. Possession is three tenths of the law. In this <laughs> yes, case. Yeah. we've got tenuous hold on it. But what I'm saying is, it, thirteen games left. It's a strong position to be in, and at least it's ours. We've got that fourth position. It's just like United to sort of yeah bobble into sixth position from this position. I, I don't know. Especially when he's put out the objective there and it just seems so weak considering where we were at the end of August. Not saying that we're in a particularly strong position. I'm talking pre-Ronaldo. At the moment where if you just said, we don't need Ronaldo, but we really need a holding midfielder. And then we'd just pushed the boat out and, and done that. Then, you know, we could have, we could have been challenging for a title. We would have been much better positioned. Yes, yes, I know. To challenge for a title. Vanity and Pride so. did that deal. It's very hard to understand what the counterfactual would be there. If United had signed a holding midfielder and not Ronaldo, um, and they weren't going to sign no one, by the way, and they just, because City were going to sign Ronaldo, they came in and got him. What what would be yeah. the position? I don't know. He's got 15 goals this season. They're important goals. No one else has got those goals. Oh, don't, don't make me think it could be worse. I <laughs> yeah, don't need that. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't. I think he's unbalanced the team, and I think he yeah. contributed in part to Oli getting sacked. I know he got those important goals early in the season, but I think it just completely threw off the tactical plan. So I don't know where United would be if they'd done that. Obviously, they've committed an insane amount of money to this deal. The transfer fee was twelve million over five years, but his his wages are are 25 million post-tax. He's the highest earning footballer on the planet. They committed a huge amount of money to this, probably yeah. more than a, a really top-class midfielder. So they, it was a big gamble. Anyway, shall we move on from this and we'll talk about Leeds at the weekend? This is going to be fun because it's going to be completely different. Yeah, I mean, what was it? Nil-nil last season at Ellen Road in front of nobody. So at least there are going to be fans there. There will be, and it'll be it'll be passionate. Difficult ticket to get as well, by the sounds of it. Nobody I know can get a ticket. Right. And I normally know a lot of people who are there. So so it's a bit of a struggle, and as it should be, because it's a, an intense game. And you want to see some of that intensity, because that's what, you know, you, uh, it's horrible, don't get me wrong. Anyone who's ever been 12 yeah, yeah. Road <laughs> can attest to it. It's, a, it's like... I mean, I don't know why this is the, the, 
the analogy that comes to mind by describing like a gin hangover. <laughs> if you just replace gin with the worst hangover <laughs> that you can think of, that's what a trip to Ellen Road is like. It's absolutely horrible. It's- I never forget my first time there. Get, getting off the coach and you walk through this tunnel under the road, walking up to Ellen Road, and there was just like raining bottles from yeah. Leeds fans. And the police were there laughing. Mm. Because they're in it with the Leeds fans. <laughs> South Yorkshire police, who've got their own problems, by the way. Um, and <laughs> yes, yeah, and so it's, it will be intense for sure. It's 20 odd years since United played at Ellen Road in the Premier League with fans there. But we're, but we're playing Leeds, Leeds are in a, having a difficult time. Second season syndrome, isn't it? They are not getting the results of last season. Still playing their BLs away. They'll still be very open. Yeah. They're playing with Dan James as a number nine right now, though he scored a couple yeah, of goals the other day, didn't he? Yeah, he looks pretty good. He looks like the kind, yeah. the kind of forward who would trouble our defence, if I'm being honest. I, I, I look at them and I think you're right, second season syndrome, a lot of teams have worked out how to play them a little bit better, how to sort of capitalise on their naiveties, shall we say. Yeah, but... They are still pretty good sometimes and they do have good days and, you know, United in front of that kind of atmosphere. You remember a lot of these, well, have any of the, none of these players would have been at Ellen, none of them would have been at Ellen Road. Nah. So there's no one really, only Mick Phelan on the staff will know what it's like to go to, or Fletcher will know as well, what it's like to go to Ellen Road and that kind of atmosphere. And they might think, oh, it's just like Hanfield. It's not, it's a, it's a very difficult type of bitterness there um it's like yes like, it's the right way liverpool have got bitterness but they've got pride there's no pride in this one it's just it's, it's just bitter so these players i don't know if they'll be prepared for that I, to be fair maybe the leeds ones won't but they'll be in tune with their own fans so if their own fans are afraid they'll be like oh my god this will raise us a little bit and i it just stands to be seen, doesn't it? Whether whether it'll impact this this group of united players badly or whether whether or not yeah. it won't you know because and and how it'll impact the Leeds players as well, because they've it's just such a range in results that they were dreadful at the weekend. They get, they got well beaten by Everton. This is an Everton side that's been dreadful yeah, this season yeah, too. Yeah. Uh, and they had that wild game against Aston Villa with with all the goals where Dan James scored a couple. Uh, and then they lost at home to Newcastle. Uh, and before that, they had a great game at, at West Ham where they beat West Ham, and that was a pretty good performance as well. And yeah, so I've no idea the level of performance that they're going to be able to get. I know how they'll play. I don't think they'll be like, how can they? I can't think of a scenario in which they would play defensively at home in front of their fans for the first time in 20 odd years against United (laughs) under Bielsa. It'd be absolutely remarkable if they weren't completely open. And that's exactly the kind of style that United need to play right now. Exactly. Just so perfectly set up for a United team that just need a game to be a bit more open. Well, unless, unless for all those reasons that you've just mentioned, that's why he does do it, you know, to catch Ragnik off guard. Sure, yeah. It, it would be absolutely wild if Bielsa did that <laughs> and, and got them playing a bit more defensively <laughs> in front of their own fans. Yeah. But it would be the right thing to do. And he is a smart coach, of course. But yeah, it's just, it's been really hard for them. Obviously, they've had injuries and that's not helped them. And we'll see who then get out on the pitch on on. Sunday, Sunday yeah, morning, yeah. isn't it? Sunday, I can't 2 remember what kickoff time 2 it is. 2pm UK. 2pm, yeah. that's it. 2pm. Yeah. I started to think in uh, 
West Coast terms when I'm thinking about that. It was great against Southampton, that performance, when I got uh, got up at four in the morning yeah, for yeah, it. Yeah. You know? But hey, that's my own fault. I, I left Blighty and I regret it frequently when we have that kind of kickoff. But anyway, yeah, this is just 6am. This is fine. I will be there. I'm sure I'll, I'll find a pub to go watch it. Beer in hand with some United fans, some expats, and I will be enjoying this one, I hope. Touch yeah. wood. So it's a podcast, so you can't see me. He was yeah, doing it, my, dear my listener. I, I assure you he was tapping his head. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, yeah, I know less of what performance we'll get out of Leeds than I do against United. I think United are moving towards something. Not rapidly and not something great, but moving towards something of more consistency. And I, I do trust Ramnick, even though he's a bit of a technocrat, to understand the tactical the situation it's only really that walls game where he's been really out thought yeah. i think you know most of the time the game plan just hasn't been executed and and but you mentioned van gaal earlier it's a good comparison obviously because of the the shape of the team and everything but but at least the football is better to watch than it was under van gaal i'm not they see oh for it's, sure it's yeah. a little bored don't get me wrong but when i'm being well i was being very pessimistic earlier on and I, I do share I, I do see what people are seeing in in that there's a general kind of improvement in the way that we're playing it's just that sort of hesitance because of the standard of opponent that we're playing against but yeah, like you said, we've got we. He can prove me wrong for sure because of all these big games we've got coming up, and I'm sure that he will. Will Ralph Ragnick smarty Reds? Yeah, yeah. Well, after Leeds, it's Atletico, and then there's Spurs and City, and uh, yeah, a whole bunch Great of stuff. a whole bunch of tough games, really tough games. Yeah, no, this is what we want. So Leeds, they went with a three at the back at the weekend against Everton. They were completely taken apart. I think they'll go mm. back, back to a back four. I just can't see any other situation with with Klitsch and Cock sitting in front of them. You know, they just got to get some kind of. They can't. They can't chip three goals. You know, and, and expect to score four. But it's it's their forwards. They're always fun. Rafinha is a great player. I think he's going to go on to bigger and better things. Obviously, Daniel James looks like he's. It's probably not the deal Leeds needed to do. They needed mm -hmm. a midfielder, but he's looked like he's playing every week, and that's. I'm sure that's helping his development finally. Rodrigo and Jack Harrison, won't they? And and that will cause United some problems. They'll get they'll get enough of the ball leads in forward areas. They're very direct in in you know moving from back mm. to front. Uh, and this is United back four that you can't trust yet. Really, hopefully, hopefully, Rafael Varane feels okay. He's another one who's like I'm not quite mm. sure of my body. Well, he... um, so I'm hoping he's feeling all right because it, it was just he was. Shortly before yeah, 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 the game, yeah. wasn't it, that you said, I'm not quite yeah. right? No, yeah, yeah Maguire's poor form aside, I don't think, I don't think maybe the shape, the shapes helps this as well, the 4-3-3, three, three. that they're not as porous in defence. You know, we're talking about them, them not being tethered, well, they're being more tethered to each other than than they were before. I think that's yeah. helped. They're definitely not losing as many chances. I mean, you can see that in all the data. They're definitely not giving up as many yeah. chances as... So as they used to, I, I would sure. I would hope yeah. that he's going to not not play Fred on on Sunday, play Pogba and Fernandez, be a little bit more adventurous with it because the what you've got in that midfield. Yes. I mean, even Pogba has been putting a bit of a shift in, like putting making sure that his body's around. Oh, he really has. He he made who was it? It was not against not it was a game before last. Uh, which game was that? Was that the Burnley game at the weekend? Yeah. Southampton game. Southampton game. I think he made like five interceptions and yeah. ball recoveries. This is 
I think it suits him better. I, I said this to Dan at the weekend. That shape is basically what France yeah. play. But he has more players around him and therefore a bit more ability. And, and he, if he's willing, for personal reasons, to get the right kind of contract next, and I don't know, maybe he has a good relationship with Ragnick. Who knows? Don't know, behind the scenes. But if he's willing to do everything, make those interceptions, make those ball recoveries, play in, be disciplined about his positioning, which I think he has yeah. been since he's come back, have that little bit of pride. He's never going to be intense for 90 minutes. We just don't get that from him. But he, he's going to be a massive asset until he leaves in June. From the midfield so. three, you don't need like 50 tackles a game. You just need like that, like you said, a relatively a relatively good Enough. number of interceptions, yeah. the effort and application there. So you don't necessarily need the two older midfielders in that shape. Well, you don't really in, in many shapes with the personnel that United have got, but they've been playing them anyway. But now they've got McTomney who's been doing, I think he's probably the best fit if you've got McTomney, Fred, uh, McTomney, Pogba and Fernandez in there. They'll all be present and be around and, I don't think Leeds, I mean, Le yeah, they've got the pace of James, but apart from that, I think that midfield should be should be strong enough. They, Leeds are weak in midfield, and, and that's where United should be able to get a foothold in this game. Anyway, I guess that's it. Any other thoughts before we leave? Uh, I can't think of any, apart from another plug for, for my book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everyone go buy the book. Where is it? Is it on Amazon it, and uh, other places that aren't the evil empire? Yeah, uh, well, mm. if you are listening anywhere in the world and you want free delivery, then go on Book Depository because that's what they do. Yeah. Nice. Good, good. Yeah, in independent. I know I, I now live in the home of Amazon and uh, if you walk <laughs> around downtown Seattle, it's like every building is, is Amazon. It's got the Amazon font on the name of the building. It's got some done Amazon naming as well so um you can't escape it here but uh yeah anyway book depository there is good luck with the book sales another another i will get around to getting a copy myself but yeah good luck united let's get a performance wouldn't that be nice totally dominant performance big win against lees everyone will have a great weekend yeah enjoy it bye now see you next time